This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, alarming spikes in coronavirus cases seen across the nation. At least 16 states see infections rising, hospitals in Arizona nearing capacity. Officials worry we are on the verge of a second wave as beaches, movie theaters and restaurants continue to open nationwide. Grim economic outlook. A new prediction says the unemployment rate will end the year at 9.3% and it will likely stay high for the next two years. The Fed chair's urgent plea to lawmakers. Police reforms. The Minneapolis police chief under pressure to change his department takes on the police union as George Floyd's brother delivers emotional testimony on Capitol Hill demanding justice. I'm here to ask you to make it stop. Stop the pain. Stop us from being tired. NASCAR bans the Confederate flag at its events as the Army considers renaming bases named for Confederate generals how the president is responding tonight. Breaking news, family members say remains found buried in Idaho were those of two missing children. The new charges against their stepfather tonight. And the story of a chance encounter on a flight leads to a conversation about how we are a lot more alike than we are different. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with a sudden surge in cases of coronavirus across the country. At the same time, the government is warning that the financial damage caused by the pandemic will last for years. Tonight, the head of the Federal Reserve says Congress may need to do more to help those who are out of work, saying millions of Americans who lost their jobs will not get them back even after the country fully reopens. Tonight, there are more signs the country is reopening and some people are going back to work. AMC, the world's largest theater chain, says it will start showing movies again in July. And vacationers are back on the sands of Miami Beach tonight. But that comes as we're learning 16 states are seeing dramatic increases in cases since Memorial Day, including in Texas and Arkansas, where hospitals there are facing record numbers of coronavirus patients. And as we come on the air, more than 112,000 people have been killed by the virus nationwide. And there are nearly 2 million confirmed cases here in the U.S. Tonight, CBS News has learned the president's coronavirus task force is privately warning governors there could be an even bigger spike in cases following those protests over the death of George Floyd. Floyd's brother was on Capitol Hill today calling for change to the nation's policing practices during an emotional hearing just one day after Floyd's funeral in Houston. Well, there's a lot of news to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez is going to lead off our coverage tonight in Miami. Manny? 
Well, Florida is one of the states with infections on the rise. More than 1,300 new coronavirus cases were reported in the state just today. In other states, the concern is the strain new cases are putting on hospitals. Two weeks after the Memorial Day holiday, some states are not only seeing a spike in coronavirus infections, but a surge in cases filling up hospitals. Texas reports more than 2,000 hospitalized, a record high. Arkansas hit a record, too. And in Arizona, officials urged hospitals to fully activate emergency plans, as nearly 80% of adult ICU beds are full. Some hospitals say they've already reached capacity. CBS News obtained audio of the president's coronavirus task force telling governors they're worried about a spike in infections due to recent protests. This was Dr. Deborah Burks on the call. It does worry me because not everyone was in a mask um, and some people were shouting. And we don't know the efficacy of masks with shouting. It all adds up to a pandemic Dr. Anthony Fauci calls his worst nightmare. He had this reminder. Masks can help, but it's masks plus physical separation. Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell says unemployment will likely fall to 9.3 percent by the end of this year and vows consumer support, holding down near zero interest rates through 2022. We're not thinking about raising rates. The push for a vaccine got a boost from the federal government, which reportedly announced it will fund and conduct three trials this summer involving roughly 30,000 people in more than 50 cities. A vaccine can't come too soon, as more places with crowds indoors, like movie theaters, plan to reopen. AMC announced a plan to open its doors next month. As for the outdoors, Miami reopened beaches for the first time in three months. You haven't have a face mask? Albeit with volunteers making sure people abide by the new social distancing and face mask rules. We had to um, make sure that we have all uh, masks on, and since we didn't have any, We'll have to go get some so that we would all be safe. That's the bottom line. Today, the director of the Harvard Global Health Institute offered yet another sobering prediction that the U.S. could see another 100,000 coronavirus deaths by September. Nora. Hmm. Manny Bohorkas in Miami, thank you. Today, the brother of George Floyd told Congress that he believes his brother's death was a premeditated murder. In tearful testimony to a House committee, he also urged Congress to deliver justice for victims of police brutality. CBS's Nancy Cordes reports tonight from Capitol Hill. Wish I could get him back. An emotional Philonis Floyd pleaded with Congress to act one day after laying his brother George to rest. George wasn't hurting anyone that day. He didn't deserve to die over $20. I'm asking you, is that what a black man is worth? $20? He came to testify about the Justice in Policing Act, a sweeping reform bill House Democrats hope to pass in the next two weeks. I grieve every day for these continued losses. I grieve as a mother who lost her own child to the very same violence that we're talking about today and tomorrow and next week. The hearing revealed some bipartisan consensus, a sign that the message from widespread protests has sunk in. 
I do think there is not a legitimate defense of chokeholds or lynching or bad cops that get shuttled around, and you will be able to count on Republican cooperation. Some states and cities aren't waiting on Congress. The D.C. City Council passed a bill Tuesday to publicize the names of officers who use unnecessary force. And New York's governor is about to sign a bill to unseal police disciplinary records. The most dramatic police reform in the country, and it will happen in New York this week, and we're proud of it. The White House says the president is hard at work on his own proposal. But in a meeting with African-American supporters this afternoon, he did not go into details. When you look at how well the black community has been doing under this administration, nobody's done anything like we've done. Tonight, George Floyd's brother paid a visit to the newly named Black Lives Matter Plaza, where that giant mural was painted on the street near the White House. He was surrounded by supporters a couple of hours after telling lawmakers that he can't stop thinking about that video of his brother's death and that it felt like it lasted eight hours, Nora, instead of eight minutes. A powerful image there. Nancy, thank you. Turning now to Minneapolis, where after calls to dismantle his police department, the police chief today outlined transformational reforms in weeding out bad officers, even if it means taking on the powerful police union. CBS's Jeff Begay spoke with the chief and continues his reporting from Minneapolis. Good evening, Jeff. Nora, the pressure has really been on this police chief here to come up with some sort of plan for the future. The arrest of the former officers has really tainted this police department, so much so that precincts like this one that I'm standing next to still have razor wire around them to keep the public out. Under pressure by protesters demanding radical reform, the embattled Minneapolis police chief vowed change is coming. We will have a police department that our communities view as legitimate, trusting, and working with their best interests at heart. The first step, the chief said, would be for the department to withdraw from contract negotiations with the police union to reform use of force and disciplinary procedures. Did resigning cross your mind over the last two weeks at all? Not at all. History is being written now and I need to make sure that we are part of the right side of history. Based on what you saw in the video, do you think race was involved in that? What I know is that far too often when we have white officers and black victims, it permeates and goes back to a history of our American policing where race is inextricably linked to that. Do you think there are racist cops on the force? I believe that there probably are. CBS News has learned that prosecutors tried to reach a plea deal with Derek Chauvin before initially charging him with third-degree murder. Arredondo said he refuses to even say Chauvin's name. Why is that? Because I don't want to bring any sort of credibility or legitimacy to, um, to that. Use your voice! Today, protests calling for justice around the country continued. One day after Floyd was buried, disturbing video has surfaced showing a group of white men in New Jersey mocking his death, kneeling on each other as demonstrators passed by. Here in Minneapolis, the hometown native who became chief in 2017 says his city will make progress. We will not let what that person who I refuse to name define us. We won't. And we owe it to our communities that we serve to not let that define us. And so I'm confident we'll move forward. 
and late this afternoon, one of the cops arrested, Thomas Lane, one of the rookie cops arrested in connection with George Floyd's death, posted bond, left jail and headed for home awaiting trial. Nora. Jeff Begay's in Minneapolis. Thank you. Tonight, NASCAR is banning the Confederate flag at all of its events. The racing giant says the flag runs counter to a welcoming and inclusive environment. And the move comes after Bubba Wallace, NASCAR's only black driver on Monday, called for the ban. At tonight's race in Virginia, Wallace plans to drive with Black Lives Matter and compassion, love, and understanding newly painted on his car. There's also a growing movement to remove the names of Confederate generals from 10 Army bases. The Army secretary says he's willing to talk about it. The commander-in-chief is not. President Trump tweeted, my administration will not even consider the renaming of these magnificent and fabled military institution. Here's CBS's David Martin. It's not just the statues of Confederate generals, it's the Army bases which bear their names. As now retired General David Petraeus put it, the irony of training at bases named for those who took up arms against the United States and for the right to enslave others is inescapable to anyone paying attention. Retired Major General Dana Petard has been paying attention his entire career. It just always seemed strange uh, and, in fact, insulting that we had uh, posts like Fort Hood, Fort Bragg, Fort Benning that uh, were named after Confederate uh, generals who betrayed our country. Ten army bases in all. Fort Bragg, the largest, is named after Braxton Bragg. Who wasn't even a very good Confederate general. Why would we name a base after someone like that? Does the quality of the general make any difference? These ten generals fought against the United States Army, uh, killed U.S. troops. It makes no difference how well they performed. Great field generals like Robert E. Lee should still be studied, Petard says, but not honored. David Martin, CBS News, Washington. Tonight, we're delving into a painful discussion that's been taking place in African-American homes across the country. It's the talk between black parents and children about the hate they may encounter and possible brushes with the police. Mark Strassman introduces us to a father and son who are taking that conversation beyond the walls of their home. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. There's always this the pit of your stomach it can happen to anybody, and, and no parent wants their child to be a hashtag. Kendrick Dixon's a pharmaceutical rep. His son Israel is 18. We met them to join America's uncomfortable conversation about race. No justice! When Atlanta protested George Floyd's killing, Israel wanted his voice heard. It was rage that went through my mind. I was, Here we go again. You know, what's going to happen this time? Do you think your white friends get it? No. They don't realize that it's actually happening to people like me every single day. As Israel grew up, his father tried preparing him. Black parents call it the talk. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, every one of those situations is a little bit different, different sure. kind of talk. Sure. My ultimate end game, my wife and I, is get home. You know, do what you have to do to come home. Ahmaud Arbery's killing especially hit home. In Georgia, shot dead while jogging. I had never thought that, you know, I'd have to fear for my life while I'm taking a jog in my neighborhood, but that just put into a new perspective that this is really real out here. Israel is in training. Our valedictorian, Mr. Israel Dixon. The class valedictorian will enter West Point this summer. I feel like he shouldn't have to walk around with a resume around his neck saying, hey, but 
I'm a valedictorian. Resume that counts is that he's a human being. Exactly. That's it. That's all that matters. Israel Dixon is hardly alone when he says this moment in America woke him up. It made me realize that we need to start having this conversation because throwing all this hate at each other is not going to get us anywhere. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. We do need to have that conversation. Tonight, a nationwide search for two missing children has come to a gruesome end. Family members confirmed that the remains found on Chad Daybell's rural property in Idaho are the bodies of his stepchildren. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. The families of 8-year-old J.J. Vallow and 17-year-old Tylee Ryan saying in a joint statement, we are filled with unfathomable sadness that these two bright stars were stolen from us. Mr. Daybell, do you understand the allegations on both counts that have been brought against you? I do. Today, their stepfather, Chad Daybell, sat emotionless as the prosecutor laid out the grisly discovery that brought him to justice. We are aware that those remains are the remains of children. Police joined by the FBI unearthed those remains outside his home in Idaho and arrested him. He's charged with willfully destroying, altering, and or concealing human remains. It's unclear how they died and how long the children were buried in Daybell's backyard. The two children disappeared shortly before their mother, Lori Vallow, married Daybell, a popular podcaster who believed in doomsday. Vallow has been in jail since March, charged with child abandonment. Daybell remained free until authorities closed in. The court is going to set bail in the amount of $1 million. And it's still unclear what the motive was and what led police to that backyard. We can tell you, Nora, investigators only dug one hole, so it appears they knew exactly where to search. Nora. Such a disturbing story from the beginning, Jonathan. Thank you. George Floyd's death has forced Americans to confront some uncomfortable truths and started some important conversations. CBS's Chris Van Cleve tonight on a chance encounter and the conversation it started. Southwest flight attendant Jacare Hill had a lot on her mind as she prepared for a flight from Dallas to Panama City. It was the morning after the first night of protests. Anybody that is paying attention right now can say it is heavy, it is hard. She noticed a passenger holding White Fragility, a book urging white Americans to have uncomfortable conversations about race. So Hill asked him about it. He picks it up and he shows it to me. He's like, it really talks about how it's really our fault and we need to start the conversation in, and because that's the only way things are going to change. And I'm like, and then I just start crying. It was just so emotional for me because I felt understood. What does it feel like, that moment where you feel like you're being heard and understood? Like, thank you. I'm just like, just thank you. The masked passenger was American Airlines CEO Doug Parker. That conversation was profound uh, for me. Uh, it is exactly what we need. I didn't think I was a person that shied from these conversations. Uh, but if you don't start them, and if you don't have the courage to start them, they, they stay in the background. And when you do start them, it makes a huge difference. Hill posted to Facebook. It went viral. Notions I may have had about somebody of his stature, they were all dismissed because of my five or 10 minute relationship with this man. You will realize that people are a lot more alike than they are different. Parker left a handwritten thank you note, hoping they could stay in touch. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. What a great story. Thank you, Chris. 
On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, why thousands have volunteered to get infected with the coronavirus, all to help researchers develop a vaccine. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Stay safe and good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.